I want to add my thanks to all of you who participated in helping Pastor Mark and all of the team in the youth convention. I also want to thank all of you who were here yesterday as we had hundreds, hundreds of children and their families that came walking through, and it was a beautiful sight, and we had fantastic weather, and the rain came right at the right time. And uh, so thank you for loving people and loving Jesus, letting Jesus love them through you. It was a wonderful testimony. I have some friends and neighbors that they said, we're always astounded at what your church does to demonstrate how much you love our community. And I said, it's because we love Jesus first, and we just want you to know that. Happy Resurrection Day. What a wonderful time we had to celebrate our Lord. Praise God. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes this morning about Jesus, the subject of life. Jesus, the subject of life. And there's two verses that I want to read to you. And for those of you that may have grown up in the church, both of them may be familiar to you. The first one is found in John chapter 4, verse 6. And if you don't have a Bible, they'll be posted up behind me. If you do, you may want to look at it and Jesus was speaking to the disciples and he told them when they were confused about what they should do and he said to them, I am the way and I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in Romans chapter 8 verse 11, we read these words. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you... He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Father, I pray now that you would guide and direct our thoughts as we begin to unlock some of the truth of your word. And I pray that these would not merely be words in the Bible, but that they would become life and nourishment to our soul. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. On Good Friday, we commemorated the greatest act of love in the history of mankind when we pictured in our minds the crucifixion of Jesus Christ who died to pay a penalty that we could not pay ourselves. And in the horror of that scene, we recognize exactly how deeply our sin has affected our God. On Resurrection Sunday, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, Easter becomes the most significant day in the history of the world. Because we alone serve a risen Savior today who is here, His Holy Spirit's presence is here, and we feel Him here because He is alive. As you look through the Gospels, The record of resurrection morning that you find in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John all indicate that there was a buzz of excitement around the garden tomb where Jesus had been buried. Can you imagine what it was like that first morning as the women are going in and they came because they wanted to finish some things up only to discover as they get there that a stone that they thought was holding the body of Jesus in had been rolled away and the tomb was empty. And all of their fears as to who stole the body of Jesus begin to come through their mind until the angels begin to address them and say, He's not dead anymore. He's alive. 
Everything has changed here. You've looked in a place of death for one that has died, but we are here to tell you that the place of death has been turned into the place of the living. And they run off to tell the disciples. And Peter and John, distressing over the news, run to the graveside. They're filled filled with fear at first, but with courage they go. And as Peter and John get to the tomb, they discover it is empty, and they begin to believe what Jesus had told them. And there's a flurry of activity that takes place. And the reality of the living Savior over the next hours and days begin to manifest Himself as He showed Himself to be alive. And the celebration of resurrection has continued from that morning all the way to this morning because He's still alive and doing His work in the lives and hearts of people. All these years through a flurry of investigations and through the scrutiny of those that have tried to disprove it. We've seen secular professors in history of archaeologists who have set out to try to disprove the facts of the resurrection and they all came away with the clear testimony that history is an ally of the resurrection. Think about it in terms of today. Jesus Christ was dead. Jesus Christ was buried. And Jesus Christ lives again because of the resurrection power of God. So if you find yourself today in a place of great need, I want you to know that the living Savior is here to meet you where you are. When we think of Easter, we think of things that are being full. Some of your kids got up this morning and began to scour the house looking for full Easter baskets that you may have hid. Churches are more full on Easter than any other weekend during the year, and so churches are full. As you go out to dinner today, if you don't have reservations, you're going to discover that most of the restaurants are full. And for those of you who have family traditions where mom has been cooking, today's the day that you extend the table out full length and you add more chairs in, you bring up the dusty ones from the basement. Because the table is going to be full today. And at the end of the day, stomachs will be full. It's a day of being filled. But there are some today who are empty. Some of you are empty because the relationships within your life are not life-giving. Some of you are empty today of joy. Some of you are empty of strength. You put a smile on your face and you put your good clothes on, but you know that deep down inside you're at the end of the rope and you do not know what to do or where to go. Some of you are empty of health today. And you're empty because you need something. You want something. And I'm here to declare to you today what you need and what you want is found in Jesus Christ alone. We read in the verse that we read at the beginning, and he said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. And so Resurrection Sunday is a day to celebrate that your emptiness is not beyond his ability to fill. If you have your bulletins, there's an outline of the message if you want to jot down some notes. But I want you to know today that, first of all, Jesus' resurrection is the point of all life. It's the point of all life. I want to do a little exercise with you this morning. I'm going to read to you a paragraph, and then when I am done with that paragraph, I'm going to ask by a show of hands, how many of you understood what it is about? You ready? Listen closely. A newspaper is better than a magazine. A seashore is better than a street. At first, it's better to run than to walk. 
you might have to try several times. It takes some skill, but it's easy to learn. Once successful, complications are minimal. Even young children enjoy it. Birds seldom get too close. Rain, however, soaks in very fast. Too many people doing the same thing can cause problems. One needs lots of room. If there are no complications, it can be very peaceful. A rock will serve as an anchor, but if things break loose, however, you will never get a second chance. Now, how many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? Big and raise them high. We're all here in the same boat. You know why it made no sense to you? It's because it's a paragraph without a subject. It's a paragraph without a subject. It's a bunch of words that are actually quite beautifully written and and well written. And for those of you that are poets, you might think, that was really, really lovely. But if you knew what it was about, it would make sense. And so a sentence without a subject makes no sense. And a, a paragraph without a subject makes no sense. More importantly, a life without a subject makes no sense. One of my favorite words in the original Greek language of the New Testament is is the word mysterion. Mysterion. It's, It's a word that Paul used often, and it means something that has been kept hidden for generations, but it's now been made known, and it's now being revealed. It was like forever you could see these words, and and they just didn't make sense, and suddenly the big reveal comes, and everything just makes sense after you know it. It's boom, the big reveal, it's there. So... I'm about to do Mysterion on you this morning. I'm going to tell you what the paragraph is about, and I'm going to read it again, and suddenly, in the big reveal, it will all make sense. You ready? Okay, listen close. Here we go. The big reveal is, picture a kite in the sky and you holding on to a string. A newspaper is better than a magazine. A seashore is better than a street. At first, it's better to run than to walk. You might have to try several times. It takes some skill, but it's easy to learn. Once successful, complications are minimal. Even young children enjoy it. Birds, they seldom get too close. Rain, however, soaks in very fast. Too many people doing the same thing can cause problems. One needs a lot of room to fly a kite. If there are no complications, it can be very peaceful. A rock will serve as an anchor, but if things break loose, however, you will never get a second chance. Now, raise your hand if that made sense to you this morning. Isn't it powerful what a subject can do? Isn't it powerful how it brings clarity to confusion? It's amazing. What a subject can do. I have three main jobs in my life. I get to be a husband to Cindy. I get to be a father and a grandfather to my two children and their spouses and our three grandchildren. And I get to be a pastor. A number of years ago, there was a time early in our ministry and in my life when from the outside, it may have looked like I was doing a good job, but on the inside, I knew that it seemed as if I was having a hard time with all of them. Came a moment in time when I had 
come home one day and my wife is a gifted school teacher and as we begin to speak after I've been pouring myself into, into a church situation and trying to do everything so that the people that were in my church would be able to say, oh, what a great pastor we have. That I realized in a conver- conversation with her that I had no idea what was going on in her life. That somehow things had gotten to a point where rather than being communicative with one another, I began to realize that I was just being a roommate in a house together with her. From the outside, nobody would have known, but the Holy Spirit began to check me and bring me to the reality that if I didn't want everything to dissolve before my eyes, I needed to get back a hold of the things that were important in my life. And I remember sitting in the driveway with a mentor of mine, and we were sitting in his car, and I just began to pour out my heart about how I was feeling as if everything was slipping through my fingers, and I'd been working so hard to try to keep it all together, and he addressed me with these words. He says, well, Doug, it sounds like you've come just about as far as your flesh will take you. And I began to recognize that I was done. I had tried so hard to keep it together, but I had forgot the subject. And it was in that place of brokenness that God met me, and in that place that he reminded me that a subject is necessary for life. A subject is necessary. My life had been reduced to a paragraph without a subject, and as a result, I was confused, and and I was flailing trying to hold it all together. And in my lonesomeness and in my loneliness and brokenness, he pointed me back to the subject. Now, when I tell that story, Cindy also wants me to tell you to include that our marriage is great today. I would would wish my marriage on any of you, but there are some learning experiences you go through. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 25 through 27, Paul is speaking here of his call into ministry, and he says this, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Now look at at what he describes the word of God is in its fullness. He says, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now it's disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Here it is. Here's the big reveal. For all of those who had looked at the Old Testament all that time and couldn't put the pieces together, it was was just missing something. Here it is. He's about to tell us the subject that makes it all worthwhile. You ready? Boom. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I am going to shock some of you with this statement. Jesus didn't come to earth to forgive you of your sin. Well, nobody got up and walked out. That's a good sign. Jesus didn't come to earth to forgive you of your sin. Because, you see, the forgiveness of sins is not the end. It's only the means to the end. It's the introduction. Too many people have come to a point in time where they believe all they need to do is say the prayer and everything's okay. I want you to know something. That's merely being introduced to Christ. There's way more than that. Way more than that. 
You see, the end that Jesus wants with us, the Holy Spirit, is oneness. He wants unity. The end is intimate relationship with you. He wants to live inside of us and work through us. So the moment that you bowed your knee to Jesus and you asked him to forgive you of your sin, in that moment you decided to exercise faith in his grace and in his mercy to you. And something happens to you instantly on the inside. It's described to us in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 and 18 is this. Therefore, if anyone, by the way, all of you qualify today, you are all anyone's. So don't sit here and say to yourself, oh, this is good for everybody else. Nope. The Lord is inviting you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old is gone. The new has come. And all this is from God who reconciled to us himself through Christ. The goal of this day is not just merely the introduction. It's to have him live in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the subject that makes the paragraph make sense. This is the point of Easter. He completed the work of redemption so that he could qualify you as a residence that he could live in and be glorified through. So here's how Paul expresses this in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. You see, there's the residence. In your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, in the original language of the New Testament, there are two words that are used for dwell, and Paul selects the one here that means to take up residence. It means to settle down. It means to take complete control of the home that he lives in. You see, Paul knew that the point of Christ's work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead and overcoming death and our sin in the grave was not just for a surface relationship, but so that he may enter into your life and take complete control of the residence. And in that you find the subject that makes everything make sense. And so it's in your submission that you find the missing piece to your existence. So, if Christ comes to live within us, exactly who is it that comes and what does he bring? Let me, let me read to you out of Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, exactly what happens and who it is that lives inside of you. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Everything is in Jesus, and Jesus lives in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let that sink in. The fullness of the Godhead lives in us. It's the kite. It's the subject. Without him, your life is a paragraph that cannot be understood. And for some of you, the Spirit is turning the light on right now, and he's beginning to knock at the door, and you realize that he's been the missing component in your life. You see, from the outside, people look at you, and you look like you've got it all together, but only you know the confusion that's on the inside. You see, he's wanting to be the subject of your marriage. If you're struggling in your marriage, and if your marriage is drifting apart, it probably has something to do with Christ in you that's not working well there. Might not be involved. As parents, you try so hard to be a good parent, and it's not working. It might have something to do that you haven't involved the Christ in you in the parenting process. Your finances are out of control. Debt is crippling you. Your budget probably hasn't been submitted to the Christ in you who wants to guide and direct your spending and your earning because, you see, he's the point of all things. He holds it all together. He's the subject. A number of years ago, I was in an airport in Calcutta, India. As I was waiting for a flight, I was sitting next to a a businessman from India who recognized me as American, and he came and sat next to me, and he says, I'm trying to learn English. Can I hold a conversation with you and practice my English? And I said, yes. And he said, what are you here for? And so I spent the next few minutes telling him that over the last couple of weeks, I've been involved in in many services and telling people about Jesus, and I took the opportunity to just share with him about who Jesus is and what he's done and how he's come to, to set us free from our sin. And at the end of the conversation with him, as we were about to enter into separate planes, he looked at me and he goes, that is the most interesting conversation with American I've ever had. He says, as a matter of fact, it's the first time in my life that I've ever heard of Jesus Christ presented that way. He says, you've given me much to think about. And as we were splitting to go apart, he says to me, maybe I will have to add Jesus to my God list. And I remember getting on, my, on, on, on the plane, I'm thinking, oh no, I failed. I don't want him to add him to the God list. I want him to know that he's the one true God, the only God. He's the answer for everything because, you see, Jesus doesn't want to just be added into your life. He doesn't want to just be a part of what's going on. He doesn't want to be just one of your priorities. He doesn't want to be added to the list of your idols or hobbies. He doesn't want to be squeezed in when it's convenient. He wants to be the point, the subject that makes everything else make sense. So what does resurrected life look like today? What does it look like when it's lived out? When Jesus lives in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What does that look like? There was a man by the name of Peter Briscoe who grew up in England. And as he was growing up, he had a Sunday school teacher that was a magician for the boys. By the way, he said every little boy needs a magician as a Sunday school teacher. 
He said we would come into church and the teacher would come in and he would have these great object lessons and these magic tricks that he would teach the boys that would always tell them something about how great God was. And his Sunday school teacher's name was Billy Strackland. And one day they came into church and Billy put a Bible on the table and he says, boys, I want to teach you about a magic glove. This glove at my command is going to make this Bible levitate. And the boys all gathered around the table and he says, are you ready? They're going, yeah, he goes, magic glove, lift the Bible. And he jumps back and the boys jumped in. And they're staring. He goes, just stand back a second, boys. <clears throat> Rubs his hand together and he clears his throat and he goes, magic glove, lift the Bible. And he jumps back and the boys all jumped in. Nothing seemed to happen, and he, he walks over, and he goes, just, just, just a second, boys, just a second. And he says, let's try this again. Magic club. Lift the Bible. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Look at this, boys. And one of the boys, being that they're English, said, do you think we're stupid or something? It's not the glove. It's the hand inside the glove. To which Billy Strackland said, For I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. Christ in me. The hope of glory. If you think about it, it's really the story of, of two gloves, not just one. Because this glove probably represents us a little more closely. You see, you look at this glove and it's Dirty and used and holing in all the wrong ways. Stinks too, by the way. And you look at it and you see, you know what? It's, it's got a form of a glove. It, it looks like it's designed for something useful, but it's, it's missing something. It's just not working. And Paul describes that I was crucified with Christ. In other words, there came a moment in time. When we all live our lives like an old, dirty, rotten, stinky glove, then there's nothing within us. And in Romans chapter 6, it says, But now you've been set free from your sin, and you have become slaves to God, and the benefit you reap leads to holiness and results in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we have the story of two gloves. The moment that you bow your knee to Jesus Christ, you receive him as your Savior and you ask him to come into your life and take up residence in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This old man gets buried with Christ. Something took place in history which affects you today. Because when you get up off your knees after receiving him, you are a brand new creature in Christ. Something that you couldn't do. Resurrection life enters into you. Christ in you. 
Christ in you. So here's what happens. Here's what life looks like after you've received the resurrection power of Christ to live within you. Suddenly, you're able to meet the needs of others. May I offer you a glass of water in the name of Jesus? What an amazing glove. No. What an amazing Savior. Christ in you. The hope of glory. What happens if you come in contact with somebody who's really, really hurting in their life? Christ in you can begin to meet their needs. Let me touch your life. Let me put a hand on you. Let me wipe away your tears. Let me, let me put a bandage on you. Let me put an arm around you and connect with you in faith. What an amazing glove. No. Christ in you. What an amazing Savior. And then there's this. Some of you are involved in some tremendous spiritual battles in your life. And you've been trying to win the victory looking like this. This is Jim Bob without Christ. Jim Bob's having a, having a spiritual war going on. In this corner, Jim Bob without Christ. In this corner, Satan. Ding, ding, ding. Any of you feel stamped on this morning? Christ in you, the hope of glory. In this corner, Jim Bob in a new life. He's found the subject. In this corner, Satan. Ding, ding, ding. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This morning, it comes down to as simple as, are you empty or are you full? Jesus rose from the dead so that he could live in us. Christ in us the hope of glory. Not just to forgive you of your sins. That's just the introduction. He wants to live in you. Motivate you. Work through you. What an amazing glove. No. What an amazing Savior. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes, if you would. Here's the way I'm going to end this. I want to give you an opportunity to respond today and I'm not going to embarrass you and I'm not going to call you out. I'm going to ask that if you're here today and you're feeling empty and you need to know the Savior that in just a moment I'm going to ask that you would lift your heads and look at me and I'm going to simply agree with you. And then at the end of the service when we let people go, if you would like to follow up and find out a little bit more about what it means to have Christ in you, then we'll have people here at the front to minister to you. So I'm starting all the way over and... 
my right and your left. And if you're here today and you're ready for Christ to live in you, yes, ma'am, I agree with you. Are there others? All you have to do is look up. Yes, sir, I agree with you. Yes, sir, I agree with you. Yes, sir, I agree with you. You're tired of being beat up in spiritual warfare. You're ready to have Christ in you become a victory. Moving now to the left center. Yes, ma'am, I agree with you. Are there others this morning? The Lord's knocking on the door of your heart. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. Moving now over to the right center. Is he knocking on the door of your heart today? Yes, ma'am, I agree with you. Yes, ma'am, I agree with you. Yes, sir, I agree with you. Are there others? This is a big decision. This, this determines eternal destiny. And he's done all the work and just asks you to respond. Moving over to the far right and into the overflow. Is this the moment? Yes, sir, I agree with you. Are there others this morning? I'm looking back in the overflow. Are there others? Yes, ma'am, I agree with you. One more chance, looking around. Any others this morning? Then I'm going to ask that you would open your eyes and that you would stand with me this morning. I never get tired of praying the sinner's prayer. And I know in my heart, I feel it in my spirit, that some of you have your heart racing. You didn't know how to respond. And and so we're all going to pray today. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. And we're all going to pray the sinner's prayer, which is the introduction into the life in Christ which changes you from an old glove to, to one that can be infilled with His presence. And then at the end, for all of you that responded this morning, I'm going to ask if our, our deacons and their spouses and our prayer team and our pastoral team, if you'd come and make your way to the front so that it, at the end of this, when we conclude in prayer, there can be people here that will lead them. You can come now as we get ready to pray. If you would step out of your seat and come now and be prepared to minister. This is what makes the difference. It's not what a great glove. It's what a great Savior. This is Easter, the resurrection, what it's all about. Would you repeat after me as we pray? Dear Jesus, I don't know why you love me. I am so sorry for my sin. I have been beaten up spiritually. I have lost again and again But today I come to you and ask that the risen Savior forgive me of my sins. Come and live within me so that people see you and give you glory through my life. What a great Savior. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I now receive you. You're my very own. You are my God. And I am your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. 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 So here's what we're going to do. There's a lot of stuff going on this morning. But don't lose, track, don't lose track of the fact that he's the subject of your life. And if you are one of those that responded this morning, then 
As I conclude in prayer, would you please make your way here? There are people here that would love to just help you get started on this journey. Don't be satisfied with the introduction. There's more to it than that. And if you don't have a home church, we would love to have you worship with us. We're so glad you're here today. Have a great Resurrection Day. Father, I pray your blessing on your people. May your word find a place in our heart that we cannot get it out of. And may it go through our mind again and again. Not what a great glove, what a wonderful Savior. Christ in us, the hope of glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God give you a wonderful day in the Lord. Hallelujah.